Eventually Super Train episode 119. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to the end of uh, 2021. Things are getting a little bit hairy out there, so uh, be good to yourselves and um, relax. Relax. Long weekend. This should be, you should be, this is, this is going up uh, late in the 23rd, early on Christmas Eve, and you know from, from previous episodes and things like Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas Day is my possibly my favorite time of the year apart from my own birthday so this is a this is a time i i really enjoy and um, i hope you enjoyed the uh, the show throughout the year uh i i'll probably mention this again at the end but um uh, we go on hiatus for january so episode 120 will probably go up around february 7th or something like this but we'll be taking a a month off january a little little break from the uh, short-lived tv shows which is what this podcast is about short-lived tv shows and never got enough love eventually we will get to super train you know what it is by now um but next year i'll start saying it again and uh where are we where are we in this uh this festive episode um let's see we're gonna start off with actually i don't know what we're starting off with <clears throat> i believe we're gonna start off with don't quote me on this but i think probably search with mitchell are we doing episode Twenty, whew, almost done. Then uh, Chris is back, and we are doing episode four, I think, of uh, Battlestar Galactica. And then uh, Tim S. Turner is here, and we are discussing episode, geez, eleven of Colchak. And it's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. Let's dive right in. Episode 20, Moment of Madness, were March 14th, 1973. Let's see, this is directed by George McGowan and written by Richard Landau. Uh, this one uh, features Doug McClure as Grover, and this one's uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, Cameron is in the office late uh, one night, uh, catching up on some admin. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. And all of a sudden, someone breaks him and kidnaps him and puts him into a cage in a strange room where he's basically tortured and we gradually learn that the um <clears throat> the gentleman who has locked him in the room was in uh, korea with cameron and the gentleman uh the torturer is a pow and blames cameron for his uh imprisonment and uh, is set about to drive cameron completely insane and so uh, all of Probe, along with uh, Grover, more or less in charge, have to find out what the heck happened and find Cameron before he goes nuts. Oh boy. Mitchell and I are on the other side. Listen to this. Moment of Madness, episode 20. We only have three left, folks, of Search. And I would like to wish a uh, happy holiday and Merry Christmas to uh, my co-host, uh, the Search Chat. We never came up with a name for it. Mr. Mitchell Hadley. How are you, I sir? I am well. Merry Christmas to you and yours as yeah. well and to Thank all you, of you sir. out there in uh, listener you, land. 
Yay! And I've got I've got a little cheer right here, just a little, just a little touch. Because if I take too much cheer, then the discussions go on for an hour <laughs> and a half. So, uh, so we're trying to we're trying to keep it so you you can all enjoy us, but also enjoy your Christmas. So. Let me. Um, I hope you got all your gifts bought and everything. Yes. By the way, yes, they're wrapped and okay. under the tree. Awesome, awesome. And the new home is festive. Yes, it is. It uh, it is uh, glittering with lights and tinsel. Wonderful. And I hope that the people who um, drive past our home and can see the uh, tree in the window get some pleasure out of it because we certainly do. Yay! Oh, wonderful. Yeah, same here same here we're all, we're all set and i'm 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 in los angeles where we're not we're not terribly cold but um when the when the when the sun goes down and the sun goes down at like 4 15 um we're uh it, it chills pretty quick so so we're nice and nice and chilly right now and um uh let's let's discuss let's discuss a, an interesting episode i think of the show. What did you think of Moment of Madness? Very interesting. And um, I suppose that it is an episode that in any series of a certain duration, you'll have an episode like it sooner or later where one of the regulars becomes the story. <clears throat> and in this case, um, Cam is kidnapped. And we get, we get a very interesting look at Probe Headquarters. Um, the the kidnapper enters from the top of the building. It doesn't look like he goes all the way down to the basement. So it again leaves the question about where the new control room is. But yes. it, it's an, it. This is an interesting look at Probe all the way through. Not only architecturally in terms of a little bit of the layout of the building, but we start to see some of the human structure of of the organization we get one of the rare glimpses of dr barnett coming in and taking charge being yes, there yeah he's yeah. actually there and not just in a recording and um we we get uh, to see James Sicking, who's a character we've never seen in 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 this before, as I far as I can recall, and I'm not I don't know if they said what he is in this, if he's head of security or what. Yeah, yeah, no, they. But he's kind of acting as Cam's stand-in while they're looking for Cam. And what I find particularly interesting about this is that Grover is the agent who's being called in to find him. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Would you, can, can I just, I, I don't mean no, to interrupt. Go, it's my podcast and I'm going to dive on in. I'm, I'm going to call you Santa for the rest of the episode, Mitchell, if you don't mind. Not at all. Um, it's, oh. Because one of, the joys of, one of the joys of the show is when it started off, um, Grover was a beach yep. bum. Who they were like reluctant to call in, and now when Cameron is 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 taken, they call in Grover, and he's there like large and in charge, like almost Sherlock Holmesing it when he's walking around the the control room. Well, there's a really interesting scene because uh, Grover's getting a massage from a very attractive young woman who he has nice. Yes, times. he does, and he's he's completely relaxed, and. Uh, I get the impression that even though she might be coming to the wind-up stage of the massage, that 
her time there is just beginning rather than coming to an end. Anyway, they're having a very good time. Yes. And Grover gets this phone call that he would obviously be reluctant to take, but he takes it and they tell him it's Mr. Cameron. He's gone. And all of a sudden he changes completely. And, yes. and he's, he's trying to explain to, to this young lady, uh, why he has to go and he has to go right now and you know don't stick around because i'm not going to be back right away but let's continue this some other time but it is it it is again another facet of his character that we get to see here where all of a sudden this is very serious and he's very serious and he's changed on a dime from this, you know, Dean Martin is Matt Helm type of character, and all of a sudden yes, yeah. he's, you know, like a like like Bond. He's all all business, and and he comes in there, and uh, you're right, he takes charge. He is determined in this, and um, I'm I'm wondering. The, you know, I think it was two or three episodes ago I had met, we had talked again about the idea of having all of the probe agents in one episode, and this would yes. have been it. Yes. And I'm wondering where the rest of them are, because there's yeah. even some thought that it could be a probe agent behind all of them. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wonder, yeah. I wonder where the where the others are and how it's come to be that is is Grover the only one available has he risen so high in the hierarchy that they're willing to entrust a very important mission to him or you know you know it's it's hard to say but he doesn't disappoint he shows kind of a maturity no. and a forcefulness that he probably hasn't always shown and one of the things that maybe I just noticed it, maybe it's only interesting to me, but <laughs> I noticed that the people in probe control refer to him as CR. They're mm -hmm. on a first name basis with him. So yes. um, there is certainly a different dynamic than there is in the relationship between he and Cam. But I thought, I yeah. thought that was interesting that it implies a certain familiarity and yeah. as Sicking is saying, okay, CR, this is, you know, we know this and this and that. I, yes. I like, I liked that, and it. I like that. I too, would yeah. love to have seen somebody write a book or an article or something about how Probe is structured. Who are these pe people? Mm. What's the building like? Yes. What is their backstory? Mm. Because the, it's I, a very intriguing organization. Yeah. I, I wonder if um, they just uh, Grover's maybe just a little more friendly than maybe like Bianco and Lockwood when they show up there. Maybe um, maybe they just because uh, the, the fact they called him CR whenever he was investigating. Yeah, it was just like oh that's that's kind of nice. Well, or, <laughs> the, the, you the, know what else it suggests too is that not that long ago he was just one of them. True. Yeah. 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 Because we get the. Um, what uh um she's uh I, I i forgot uh when um the, we had the two women earlier on who who joined um uh uh cases yeah. as as and yeah and and uh so yeah i guess may, maybe he was he was manning the omega unit or something like that and and 
they all just knew him as CR, hanging out at the break room, something like that. And yeah, but to go, you know, to go yeah. from being a backup probe to be trying to find the the grandmaster, and uh, yes. at, you know, in these episodes that we've done previously, where Cameron has actually been out in the in the field, if you were at least talking with mm-hmm. the clients, and and he's the one who's authorized to do some of this stuff, and you start to realize that he's a more perhaps a slightly more important figure in the organization than we thought that he's yeah. he's not just the head of this particular probe unit he must mm-hmm. he has a title we'll never yeah. know it but he has a title and it it's it's um all very interesting and he he predictably he comes across even more mysterious nobody knows anything about him Yes, they can't find out. He's got a he got a uh, uh, yes. niece. Oh yeah, and and that's it. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, Brooke Bundy, who was not, we didn't get enough of her in this episode. Yeah, no, there isn't. And uh, and even she only knows a little bit about him. He never mm-hmm. talked that much about about himself. But what we do learn, and what we get put together in these flashbacks, is hardly surprising that he was in military intelligence that he understood or was at least involved in a certain psychological aspect of it that he was um a leader and a selector of men um Mm -hmm. it 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 won't surprise anybody that he is a very impressive character, and it also yes. I also don't think it surprises anybody that it's not something he would talk about. Yeah, I always feel like he lives in the building. Yeah, like like in like um in the in the show one of the very first shows we talked about here Cobra, where the the characters in in Michael Dudikoff's character and James Tolkien's character um. Oh, I forget. I forget the the woman's name. Forgive me. Her character. They had, um, they lived in the building, so so they were always sort of on call when they needed to be there. Because there's something about the opening scene, which is basically Cam Cameron sitting in front of the monitor, mm-hmm. basically like giving like messages to each of the probes, like um, you know, more or less like uh, you can fool around with the mother, but don't touch the yep. daughter. And you need a yeah, you need I a haircut. Yes. And yeah, and, and there's, there's something fun about it. It's like, you know, um, hey, Cam, you want to go grab a drink? Nah, I got like 10 files on the other agents I got to go through, you know, and he just sits there and he does all this stuff. And um, and I do like that the kidnapper knows that he'll be mm-hmm. there. That's pretty good. Yes. That, that like, that's, I mean, I feel like that's, um, you know, that's like, hey, you know, what What if you can, um, you know, you find a job you love doing, you never work a day in your life. Mm. So I think Cameron is just, Cameron is just, loves this. Uh, he, he, yeah, he probably did great stuff when he was in the, in the, in the armed forces and, and they brought him on the probe and he's just, uh, he's the man. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you know, we haven't even mentioned Patrick O'Neill, who's the yes. bad guy. Oh, he and, is. Yeah. A wonderful bad guy. And yeah. this is a case where they didn't monkey around. They gave you someone whom you would have suspected as being the bad guy, but they let you yeah. know right up front he is yeah. the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's an interesting revelation of what it is that he has against Cam. And yes. here I, I will fault the show just slightly in that they mm. gave away part of it in the opening teaser. 
um, but as to what it is that 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 he has against Cameron and that Camp yeah, oh yeah yeah Camp yeah, yeah, takes yeah. the responsibility for it and it, he in in actuality he wasn't responsible for it. he objected to it but he he knew yes. what they were doing and he objected to it but he it is serves his purpose to take full responsibility for it to goad uh, O'Neill into doing what Cam wants him to do but um, I thought that the revelation of the unwinding of his character and how yeah. he got to be what he is and why he is the way he is now was was really quite interesting yeah yeah i think i think it's 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 quite um i really like this episode very much i'd say i almost say i kind of love this mm-hmm. episode i think it's really like this is exactly what we needed after like we we had three episodes that were very personal we had three episodes that were sort of less personal and more straightforward cases and then to have this one which is all personal yep is exactly what we needed at this point cuz now cuz now I almost want to say it doesn't matter what the next 3 episodes do the goodwill of what's going on here from this yeah. episode will carry yeah. us through Un- unless they absolutely <laughs> change the format with the next 3 episodes and you know they all become I don't know um, wallpaper hangers or something <laughs> I don't know um three stooges style um I I think the next 3 episodes will not disappoint well i think that i think this you're you're right this is a really good episode and it it's it's very in you're right this is all personal it's in the family and yes we've talked uh before about how cam for all of his frustration with his agents he has a very paternalistic feeling toward them and he doesn't let them know it except in cases of extreme crisis when he will Mm -hmm. show his overwhelming interest in their personal safety but this is one where the family pulls together and where probe itself is the client and yes and and they do a beautiful job i think so too and and not not to beat a dead horse although i guess that's what i'm going to do that that (laughs) is this would have been an ideal situation for all three of them to be in because if there was ever a case where they would have called every single agent in to do something about this it would have been this one i would have loved to have seen that each one of them could have had something different and they could have all converged Mm -hmm. At the bad guy's house in the end. And I love the bad guy's house is a nice, lovely little suburban house on um, some back lot yeah. or other somewhere <laughs> in Los Angeles. You could you could tell like when he, he rounds the court, he does that thing where you, you know, you could tell it's a back lot because, you know, if you look to the back, there it doesn't go on and on because it can't. There has to be a house yes. there or a yes. curve or something blocking the space because it can't go on for a, unless you like. Uh, unless you have like the money to put in like a matte painting or something like that, but generally you you know it's the back yep. lot because there's always a curve at the end mm-hmm. of the street, or it's a T um, where you've got uh, it's a curve yep. or a T, mm-hmm. yes, sort of like a Blues Brothers kind of when the car drops, kind of a T sort of thing right there. Yeah, it's um uh and and, and he pulls up to this suburban house, which is probably I don't know, probably showed up in a. T- I was going to say for a second I thought it was the house um 
uh, is it the Black Widow and Batman Tallulah Bankhead? Ah. Um, do you remember that yes. episode where she has like fake people sitting on the um, front porch <laughs> rocking back and forth? For a second, I thought, it's not that house. But for a second, I thought, is that the Black Widow Tallulah Bankhead house? Um, but it's it's a great um, studio um uh, sort of house and when you see the setup he has in it it's like you know you you thought some of the things jigsaw did and saw were crazy oh this is you you ha- you haven't seen what this guy's doing in his garage he is um let's let's just say that he must have quite a workshop back there yes yes and it's <clears throat> and i mean burgess meredith and i never thought i'd say this goes through hell he does i don't know I, and Look how clever he was, though, and you know, yes. there was there's a counterpoint here in the idea of people who will crack under pressure and people who won't. And yes. he's you're right, he's yes. being put through hell, and yet here you see him calculating these things and figuring out how he's going to get out of this, and that proves that he's precisely the kind of man that Patrick O'Neill wasn't. Wasn't, yes, yes. The, yeah. Beautiful counterpoint. Exactly. exactly. And they, they give like 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 almost like three minutes to um uh Cam sort of setting up his little trap to yeah, get it's out like of MacGyver. the um, to, to, yeah, he's very MacGyvering it, but but instead of MacGyver, who's usually looking pretty good with his mullet, it's Burgess Meredith who looks like he's been punched oh, a lot, yeah. and he looks terrible. He looks terrible, and like when the white walls drop and the wind starts blowing and the strobe lights oh. go off, it's like oh my, oh my. You know, and it may, it gave me an appreciation too, and I think this is important to remember that this this episode again came on around the end of the Vietnam War. I don't think it was over yet, but we were going to get a keen appreciation of what the POWs went through in Vietnam. And this reminds us, and I think it's important to do so, because they always call Korea the Forgotten War. And those prisoners went through hell as well. And to watch what's happening to Cam here, we can only begin to imagine what would have happened to them in in real life it wouldn't yes you know it wouldn't have been something with these four clean walls and the ceiling and the floor yeah uh, i don't even want to think about what it would have been but i can you know i can only say by the grace of god i have never been i was not born into a time when i would have mm-hmm. had to face something like that same here yeah. same here yeah yeah the um it's it's you it's 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 a tricky episode because you do feel bad is his what's his what's the his uh, patrick o'neill's oh, character um, is it o'toole or is it byron or byron is byron oh i've got all these names written down here byron oh yes 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 Lieutenant Byron. um and and you 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 really do feel for him too but at the same there there's that there's that moment where um Grover goes to the institution um, where uh, Brian was in the mental mental yeah. mental institution, and they talk about Brian like, oh, he was here. It's not quite a Michael Myers type thing, but it's sort of like, yeah, he just sat here and he seemed to have this focus that kept him going, and we gave him everything, electroshock therapy, everything, and in the end, you know, he seemed okay, so we let him go. And Grover says, well, what did he say about you know Cameron? Who? Yeah, yeah, Ca- 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 Cameron. 
You know, and you, you expect like you know the guy he seems to have kidnapped and is tortured. He doesn't fully know that, but you know, mm-hmm. just like that chilling moment where it's like some, something kept him alive. When did he talk about? I never heard that name. And you're like, oh yeah, boy, this is not good. <laughs> this is not and, good. And, but, yeah. but you're right that there is there is a humanness to him that. It, yes. it's, it's a phrase that I do not like to use where you talk about somebody who's a damaged person or a broken person sure. because I don't like to use it because people are not objects. You break a yes. you break yeah. an object. You don't break a human being unless you're talking about it in in a different context. But but he is clearly a very troubled man and Cameron yes. had displays a great sense of yes. compassion for him yes oh yeah you want to let's i mean we can i mean let's let's ruin the ending of this one yeah. why not it's christmas yeah. time everyone merry christmas we're going to ruin the ending <laughs> um because in in the ending um they um uh cameron escapes but he's he's in such a daze that he can't remember where he was so they put a blindfold on him and him and grover try to drive the back to that spot. Nice scene, by the way. The house, yeah, it's very nicely mm-hmm. done. And they get there, and they're, I will say, <laughs> the one <laughs> wacky moment is when Grover steps in the loop. You know, it's one of those <laughs> those jungle traps where you step in the loop of rope, and then all of a sudden you're hanging upside down, swinging around. It's it's um it's goofy for a moment until you realize the crazy guy is on the other mm-hmm. end of the rope and is about to attack Cameron. Then it becomes like um. It becomes a little less goofy. one of the very few um, nightmarish great... type scenes they've had in this series. It, it it really is a moment with like you you see Grover swinging trying to get get free from this and Cameron who's still like his body is still wasted from all the torture just just like all he could do is lock the doors mm-hmm. you know and it's it's and, and even locking the doors looks like it's 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 a lot for him to do and like as Patrick O'Neill is running around the car trying the doors and everything luckily Grover pardon my French kicks ass because he pulls himself up onto the rope and unhooks Brilliant. it and lets himself drop which is like that's that, it, it was funny because I saw oh how's he going to get out of that and I thought well he's a he's a strong man mm-hmm. he would pull himself up and unhook himself or, or whatever he needed to do that's what and it's it's nice and and it ends it ends really beautifully. I should wish this was a Christmas episode and there was snow falling. You know, that would have that would have worked. And you you know, you ask, well why was why was Cameron there anyway? And part of the reason of course is because he had to describe to um to Grover how to get there. But the other part of it is he if he felt if the police were called in Byron would probably be killed. And he didn't want yeah. to see that happen. He's yeah. not, yeah. you know, it, it's almost like the variation of what parents tell their children about somebody. He wasn't a bad man. He was only sick. And it, Except in this case, it's actually true. And yeah. it's like Cam is the one man who could appreciate and understand what he was going through. Yes, yes. Because it is it is made very clear, like you said, that his, his Cam superiors say we're sending him in to do whatever it is, and Cam says no, don't send him because if he gets caught, he's going to break down. 
and and they say, well, we're sending him anyway. It's just one man. We'll and you know, we'll give him give the him false, false information. Exactly. Yes, and it's like and and when you see and when you sort of dwell on the, his time as a prisoner of war and what he had to go through, you're like, oh gosh, <laughs> that was Cam. Cam was mm-hmm. right, and um, that guy was wrong. But um, I guess at, at the in the heat of the battle and at the height of the, uh, height of the war, um, that. Uh, unfortunately, and he was. You and, know, Cam was um, overruled. But I'm sure that knowing him the way we do, I think from what we've been given in this series, he felt a certain responsibility toward this. Yes, I, I think the moment he sort of realizes who that mm-hmm. is. Oh, oh uh, the, and I just realized T- O'Toole is the detective that Lieutenant Brian, um, uh, Byron, right. Brian there helps yes, to the private, to um, private to, eye. To, to, yes. Yeah, to find um, to find Cam, um, but I think the moment that when Cam realizes who this is and begins to piece together sort of what's going on, it all leads to the ending. And again, I would have loved if snow was mm-hmm. falling during the ending um, because it's just um, uh, I, I forget I forget if it's if this Brian does he drag Cam out of the car? I forget exactly what happens, but Grover gets loose from the yep. trap and kind of beats Brian down on the ground and has him pinned down and Cameron kind of leans in and kind of has him back off yeah, a little. Yeah, he comes out of the car and, and he's, you know, yes, yes, going to yeah, be okay. And, it's all right. It's and over. He calms it's down. over. Says, yeah. Every, yeah, and, and there's like one moment where Brian kind of like lunges, but they, they calm him down. Mm-hmm. And, then they, and then they actually put him in the front seat in between the two of them. Yes. That's, that's, that's where Cameron feels that it's safe enough to put him there and sort of like the compassion mm-hmm. of that makes it feel like a christmas episode i don't know that feels like and and then the episode just ends with they put him in the car uh, uh um uh, grover backs the car up into the driveway begins to pull forward and then we see executive yep, producer Leslie credits. stevens yep. and it ends i would have loved Snow to be falling, and I would have loved some Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. I don't know this. This is the Christmas episode that didn't happen, but it should have. That's stupid, but it should have. And I think it's. I think it's a lovely. Do, do you have? My, I mean, we could probably talk for another half hour on this one. But do you have anything else? Uh, not n- no. One? As you as you say, there are all kinds of things you could talk about in this. But yes. just just the add on that when when Cam figured out who this was and what was going on he there must have been a, a moment that ran through his head when he thought something to the equivalent of I'm screwed because we really screwed this guy over and yes. I don't blame yeah. him yes mm-hmm. exactly exactly yep yep, yep. yeah and you almost at first split second it's like oh if only he'd gone after that yep. other guy that, that, that guy but he, oh, dang it um, so, so the the only other thing I will say is that this is um, what uh, the episode aired in this I think in early '73, and the score, much of the score, is early synths, early synthesizers, making all sorts of crazy noises. And one of the act breaks is when the um, the white walls are all down around Cam, and he's trying to like cover his eyes. I think he puts like a bandana around his eyes, the blindfold around his eyes, and like you see all the flashing and you hear wind, and the synths are going like, and then as it goes to the search logo coming up, like all the synths kind of go like, isn't that great? And I'm like, wow, they incorporated the synths into the commercial break. 
that was yeah. nice. And this is this, this, of course, at the time, yeah, when synths were becoming big. And I think in uh, I was thinking of in 1971, the eighth season of Doctor Who, which is the second John Pertwee season with Terror of the Autons, Claws of Axos, Mind of Evil, Colony's Face of the Demons. That whole season is scored with a synthesizer called the Delaware synthesizer and it's all like kind of stuff like that and if if (laughs) it's it that season just came out in blu-ray a few months ago and it's such a good season it's the first one with joe grant the first one with the master and it is phil and it's all i think it's i want to say it's all but Maybe some of it isn't quite, but almost all of it is is done with this. The BBC got a new synthesizer, and they tried it out on Doctor Who. So the whole season is... It's just these weird noises. You hear them today, you're like, whoa, that's crazy. And and quite a bit of the synths in Moment of Madness had that feel. That sort of... Whirling around and just otherworldly crazy sounds. And... It gives the whole episode a neat feel because you 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 cut from um, uh, Cam in the garage to Grover doing his investigations to like all the gangs standing around the control room trying to figure out what's going on, and um, I think it's a great episode. And I wish it was a Christmas episode. But Mitchell, if you don't have anything else, where can we find you online? Um, I am at uh, itsabouttv.com. Uh, links to Twitter, Facebook, and a um, uh, heck of a good time for anybody who comes by. Yes, yes, agreed. So thank you again, sir. Thank and you. um we we are we are kind of in the home stretch. We only have three episodes left. Ooh-hoo. Um which is a little sad. Hopefully Lockwood will be back. That would be nice. I would enjoy that. That would be nice. We we haven't seen Lockwood in a while. I almost kinda of, it almost it's uh, the the past uh four episodes. What well, it's it's been very much the Grover and Bianco show, which has been fun. But we need that sort of Lockwood kind of telling dad jokes and, <laughs> you know, uh, swaving up the ladies in a way that these... Well, well, Grover, the, the, the ladies like these Grove, Grover and Bianco, but they don't really bring them into the um, plots as much right. as Lockwood does. So, so um, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you again, Mitchell. And have a, have a fantastic uh, Christmas, thank sir. You. And I will talk to you. In the new Merry year. Christmas and Happy New Year to you Thank and to yours and to everyone listening tonight. Yes, yes. And uh, next up, we're going to outer space. Check it out. Galactica episode 4 The Lost Warrior October 8th 1978 directed by Rod Holcomb uh, let's see story by Herman Groves teleplay by Donald Belisario and in this one uh, Apollo lands on a, um, a frontier planet sort of marooned on it uh, befriends a young um, widow and her son and uh, gets in a fight basically 
in sort of a uh, uh, Western style thing with Red Eye, a Cylon who has kind of lost its memory and doesn't quite know what's going on, but also but knows that it is, you know, packing the firepower. And there's like a, a big fat guy who's in control of the uh, of the Cylon. And it's, uh, I'm looking here, and, and Wikipedia says that the storyline is very much reminiscent of the classic Western Shane. Eh, we'll see if we get into that. But let me give you a little blast of something, and, and Chris and I are on the other side. <laughs> The Lost Warrior. Here we go, everyone. This is the uh, one, two, three, four, fourth episode of Battlestar Galactica that aired, and uh, you you got the little plot breakdown, so you know Apollo might be in some trouble. But I know someone who never gets in any trouble because he's everyone's favorite, Chris Bly. Chris, how are you? Today? <laughs> I'm good, Daniel. Are you doing all right? Doing all right. I, I um this this is the first. Uh, a straight up hour long episode no epic no three hour epics no two hour epics um so we get to see sort of the show well the show never really settles into one or the other it does it alternates the two to two hours and the one hour ones i'm sorry the two parters and the and the one uh one parter one but just single hour um uh so uh, what, what did you what did you think of this one as the first just straight up hour long? Here's a just a standard adventure, not a, not an epic per se, just a regular adventure. Uh, it was it's it's what you you say like well you know we we had you know kind of like it had a lot of build up and here it's kind of like when you have excitement sometimes you have that episode that kind of like takes things a little down further like like slows the pace a little bit mm-hmm. and I think this one kind of slowed a little bit you know. On uh, with within within terms of like the last couple of episodes here, we had like we had stakes, we had excitement, we go on, and now we're kind of like also too we're kind of like focusing on like the focus on like a particular character, like it could be an Andama yes. episode, it could be a Cylon episode. This one we're kind of figuring more on Apollo mm-hmm. than we are uh, on uh, on on everything else, and it's basically him on this. Uh, they had an interesting, ty- an interesting planet name. I think it was called Equilus. And I think, well, they really, oh, yes, were, yes, well, they were yes. really thinking about horses when they thought about that. You know, like, you know, mm. with the, you know the the equine kind of uh, blended kind of name for that one. And then, you know, basically you start with like the hunter kind of series. I, well, the thing that I brought up, I think, on an earlier episode that we were talking here, uh, is that I said, you know. I never, I always thought that Lauren Green was going to kind of team up with somebody from his past, like technically mm-hmm. speaking, on there. And I look at this episode, and it kind of looked like it could have been like you know, little little Galactica on the prairie. And I, yeah. and I said, like all this time, I kept on thinking we're going to see Michael Landon pop up and it'd be like, <laughs> oh, it'll be the reunion of like little Joan and, and Dama now yeah, in, in different yeah. universes, but somehow combined and saying, oh wow, so little Joe is in this universe. My God, this is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Instead, we get Lance Legault a little bit mm. there. And they, like I said, they had this um, they had this animal called the lupus. And weird thing about that is Lance Legault used to be on a show called Werewolf a long time ago. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, let's hope that he's not, you know, one of the savior that they say, oh, we got the lupus. And then all of a sudden he morphs and it turns into like, oh, no, you shot him. It's <laughs> one of those things. But no, but he goes on this planet, you know, that's it makes it kind of like the Western episode of mm-hmm. Galactica in Very a literal much. sense. Not so much like a space cowboy kind of thing, but more like it's kind of a West, Western town. Somehow there's a Cylon in there and his name is Red Eye. Yeah, good old Red Eye. And he always has to pack, and uh, they, and it's almost like a almost a parallel storyline between uh, Boxy and this this kid named uh, Pappas a little bit. 
Yeah, Pappas, Pappas. Pappas, Pappas, yeah, that's... <laughs> it's yeah. not the best... Yeah, it's, it's not the best alien. Kind of Greek-sounding, but, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. Greeks in kind of a... Uh, it was Pappas, a, a myth, mythological Pappas. world there. Well, Puppus is after the Lupus. So Puppus is after the it. Lupus, and after the Lupus, <laughs> yeah. we got the Puppus. They all have a purpose on, the, on this, uh, this planet, let me tell you. Um, I, it, it actually, most of what you said is, is, is similar to what I was going to say. The, the fact that Apollo lands on this planet and then leaves this planet before anyone finds him, mm-hmm. anyone else finds him there, um, uh, makes it very much sort of a standalone episode for Apollo and it does have very much a feel of um, you know sort of a, a guy from outside this town wanders into town a town that's having some trouble mm. and he helps sort it out and then he leaves yeah and it almost it almost feels like when I saw that it was teleplay by Donald Belisario and story by Herman Groves I think I don't know Herman uh, Herman's work but I almost wondered if it was like if it was like an old script that was like a Western script, and Donald Billis, you know, because wasn't there a thing where they had to rush some of this into production? Yeah, um, be- when they changed it to like hour long episodes, kind of like a wagon train that they say, oh yeah, we got this wagon train that they go, guy yeah, comes to town, you know, it's, it's... like they expanded a rifleman or, mm. or or a wanted dead or alive or something mm. like that, um, and but that's kind of what it feels like to me. Sure, it. it it, it feels like an episode of something else that they they adapted Donna Belisario that that maybe a universal show that Donna Belisario adapted and expanded um, for uh, Battlestar Galactica. I, is it any good? It's okay. It's it's I, decent. I, it's I, I don't. It's I, it wasn't. I mean, not to be comparing, but I think you're like for its first episode. It's 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 an interesting attempt. You know, like like so like okay, yes. we want to bring it to different worlds and everything. I mean, the pace is not as gripping. As what we've seen it's, before us, yeah. But you know, it's, a, yeah. Oh, please. Oh no, please. please, please. And um, what was it? The um, what was I going to say? Uh, the, and and uh, <laughs> I'll say this: the Cylons do have a great line on here, which is like, "Humans deceive, not sound waves." Like, oh, it's a yeah, odd sound wave. Yeah. Is like, it's like, "Humans deceive, <laughs> not sound waves." Not sound waves. He's a he's a fun Cylon, and mm. uh, I I I think the um um. You, you're, you, I, th- I think you're right with the the pacing. Is that there's a it? I, that's why I'm wondering if it was it, w- it was like a wanted dead or alive or something because those were like half hour shows. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering if this is something where he he expanded it and he and there's a lot of very hushed discussion between him and the mother and then him and Puppis or whatever the heck his name they have the discussion and then there are several scenes where him and Uncle Booties, which I'm. I'm not sure on that name either. Buddhist, Buddhist. You know, yes, where, where he's like, "You're a coward for not, you know, Apollo. You're a co-. and and the way Apollo keeps refusing to bring a gun yeah. makes me makes it also feel like it's from another show where sure. maybe a character doesn't won't carry the gun and everyone's calling him a coward because it's like, why wouldn't Apollo take the gun? You know, he's he's a warrior. He's a, he's a yeah. fighter. And then you have the like, yeah, the, yeah, the parallels between also too with uh, Boxy uh, playing uh, pyramids yeah. on there, and yes. then you have the other side playing cards basically. And then mm-hmm. one of the main gamblers looks like he could be like another version of Boss Hog with his outfit yes. and everything like that. You know, and then yes. 
Not not touch such utter felger garb, but you know it's <laughs> yes, with his slightly strange accent and his giant um, Cylon sitting nearby doing. I I do I will say my favorite thing about this planet that they land on is it's always nighttime. Yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things where it's like you know daytime is a curse or something like that, or somebody's uh, got the cloud uh, yes. shot in there and it's like oh no it's bright out. It's like <laughs> it's that it's, that. Can... It's the reverse of insomnia, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, it gives a re- it gives a really nice feeling to a planet which is kind of boring. Yeah. And um, it's 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 true because when Apollo leaves, you think, are the mom and the puppets there? Are they going to be safe? Because um, I feel like the bad guys are probably going to come out to where she lives to try to find him. I think they're leaving it open for kind of like a future episode that he might oh. end up back here because like, oh, I will return at some point. There. Oh, so, yes. So it's kind of kind of give you that almost cliffhanger feeling of, OK, if this goes on another season or another season back, after yeah. that, I said we may come back um, to, to this um, horsey planet, you know, but um, yes. But at the same and, it, and they also had at the end, they had to make this such a Western. You got a yeehaw from Boomer over there. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I applaud what they're doing. And I applaud, because um, by 1978, the West, Westerns were pretty much gone. The only time you saw Westerns were uh, on TV was um, if you saw, like, if they were showing a movie, like a, like a, you know, a Clint Eastwood movie or something like that, or if it was a comedy. Or if it was like a wacky, um, some sort of cowboy western variation, sci-fi variation, or something. Mm. I was gonna say Outlaws from, but that's from 1986, where the <laughs> cowboys suddenly wind up in like 1986, like in 1886, and they go through a time storm or something. Well, that's but like by, the cheap one, like when you see an episode where they say we're going to Hollywood. You know, it's yeah, that's yeah. Where, you know, like the, the budget's gonna be cutting there because if yeah, go, oh because, yeah, at the doors there, you know. It's, yeah, because they're in Hollywood. Well, that's always the best. Like in Happy Days, when they went to Hollywood, it's like, no, nah, you're just going down the road from the studio. Yeah, um, but but it is. I mean, I, I applaud them that they um, they try to do that. It's just a, this was is weird when I first start when I first watch the show, or almost every time I watch the show has been while I've been doing something else. Mm. So this was an episode that I had playing in the background probably a half a dozen times. And so this was the first time I actually sat down and watched it. And in watching it, I thought this would have been a great half-hour episode. Yeah, I, I, I can or see the, that. Or this would have been a great one if they had had a, a B, B plot line mm. going through it. If they had something else to cut into it. Because I don't think there's enough going on mm. with the mom and Mr. Poopus there and Major Booties and Boss Hog and, and Red Eye. And, and Boxy um, saying, like, you know, oh, everybody's gone, so I get to stay with them and be like the yeah. But then again, it is kind of like planting, I guess, what would have been future seeds for him to become a colonial, yes. colonial warrior. But also, yeah. I said, it's, it's interesting, too, when they find this planet, they say it's in the Hatari system. I said, okay, nothing gets more Western or more like yes. cattle driven than the Hatari yeah. system. Said, yes, yeah, they're really, <laughs> they're really, if you're paying attention. Yeah, I'm sure there were probably some parents who were rolling their eyes. Watching this, going, oh, I get it. I, I've seen this plot line before with no baby yeah. elephant walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's uh yeah it's it's um I I think the thing too that got me with this episode was just just the the names and all the stuff like in the previous episodes when they've used Yaren and Fargo. You know, you know what I'm saying. Any, Frack. Yeah, there was none, none of the Galactica jargon in there. 
Yeah, and and this one, I mean, apart from the, you got you got Poopus chasing the chasing the lupus, and then you got booties, and he's firing a pneumo, and it's it's and 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 you just keep saying all these names, and after a time, I started to giggle. Yeah, but also too, they do make a reference to light speed. So that's, that's another interesting yes. thing. Was so nobody mentioned ludicrous speed, but you know, light speed was somewhere in there. <laughs> I think that it's interesting how he also too, Red Eye. As I'm, I'm thinking about it, he's on like a like a, a robot horse here. Like you know, it's got like like yes, he does have some armor. sort of horse. Yeah, it's like it's like the armor on there. I'm going like I, I couldn't believe like it's like oh you actually got one of those things. It's like you know you know I don't see it feeding like you know like beefaroni or like what what kind of food <laughs> does this horse take? You know, so it's yes. It, yeah, it's um, Jesus, it's, it's it's kind of a weird episode for me because I um, uh, I because all I can think when I see Poopus in this, like Boxy, I so far I don't mind Boxy. Yeah, Poopus kind of gets on my nerves mm-hmm. a little. Um, and he's a bit of the I think when I think of Star Wars, I think hmm, how many kids were there in Star Wars? Oh, none. And that's that's the tricky thing. I I applaud what Greg, uh, Greg Larson. Why did I say Greg Larson? Glenn Larson. Sorry, Greggy, Glenn. everybody. Yes, Glenn, Glenn, what, what what I applaud what Glenn Larson is trying to do. Yeah. Trying to bring like the whole family. That seems very much like the kind of person he was. But at the same time, if I were a kid watching Puppus right here, he would have just got on my nerves. Yeah, like, I think. And also, they like, yeah, I have like, like yeah, he has that kind of like kid actor. Uh, he, he does have a bit of the, hey, what's happening? Yeah, they, they, I know Red Eye. Zap, zap, he'll get you. It's like, and, okay. And what they well, I give the Buddhist, too, he's got like the, the hat with like like the little stars around it, you know? Yes, like, yeah. Pretty cool hat. I'm almost like, like if you could light it up, he could be like the electric horseman. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Mm. I would have, maybe maybe if, if they had returned in a season and he was um, a mayor puppet. Mayor Puppet's yeah. Now, what I will say with about um, um, the Booties character is that um, I'm not particularly fond of the Booties character, but he's played by, and I forgot to look up the name of the episode, he is played by, he appears in a BJ and the Bear episode. Oh, and he was also on, he used to be on the A-Team as well. That's where he pretty oh. much became known, yeah. Oh, okay. Is that is that because I, I I know I recognize him from stuff. But as I was sitting there watching him, going, I know him from something from right here, from right here. Yeah. And it was um, he's Colonel Decker and, from A Team. Okay, okay, of course. Yeah. Um. He he is in the oh I should have looked it up. It's the like, the fourth or fifth BJ and the Bear episode from around March April '79. It's when BJ and the Bear was excellent. Mm. That first season, the first TV movie in the first season, BJ and the Bear was excellent, and he plays one of the guys that um, uh, BJ was in Vietnam with. And he calls BJ up uh, to come on down and see him and some of the guys because they're planning to, like, um, break into a mobster's house and steal all his gold or something like that. Maybe not gold. Something like that to to set up, like, a community center Mm. in the local town or something like that. And he plays, like, the the tough kind of slightly mean guy who's like, we're going to do this or we're going to do this. And BJ's like, I don't think we should. No, we're going to do this. That kind of guy. And I'm like, or my name isn't Jim Booties. No, he doesn't say that. I think he could. I could have sworn he played like a bad guy on Knight Rider, if I'm not mistaken, or at least they used his voice. He probably did. I think so. Once again, into the Larson verse we go. Yes. Yeah. 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 
and I'm, I'm sorry, Kane's, no, 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 that, that's from season two. Kane was the, um, Kane was one of the cops from season two. What the hell was the name of that episode? That's going to bug me. Mm. It's a good episode, too. It's a good, because you get, you get BJ flying the helicopter, and, and there's a scene Greg Evigan hanging off of the helicopter and stuff like that. So it's a fun episode. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, but they, yeah, that has nothing really to do with this episode of Battlestar Galactica. It's it's within the the universe of seventy stuff that you know we just see a character actor that we just happen to see on this episode popping up on other things in addition, mm-hmm. but kind of in the same vibe as we're watching on this episode here of Battlestar. Yes, yeah. So so let's let me get let me get your thoughts on a uh, boxy beating everyone in the card game. Yeah. Well, my question was why didn't Muffet play? You know, we, we could have got like, yeah. I, I, I would have loved to have seen like, you know, Buffett, you know, kind of like, you know, given uh, Boxy a run for his money somehow in that way. <clears throat> I, I do like the fact that they're po- possibly Starbuck um, rather than um, uh, just just letting Boxy have like, um, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a, a cup of Coke or Pepsi or something like well, that. The fruit juices uh, are in this one there. Yeah, yeah, po- oh, po- possibly. Fruit juice. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh yeah. That's, are, any yeah of them, pos- are any of them spiked though? That's the big question. Yeah, I, I feel like Starbucks would have just been like, "Oh, just give him booze." Does he want a cigar? Just give him a cigar. Whatever. Lorette Sprang isn't going to show up, and suddenly, oh no! Dun, dun, and then dun. it all goes wrong. <laughs> Oh, no. And we, we actually get to see Boxy and Warrior Gear here, you know, for the first time. Yes, yes, yep. S- sitting with the gang, and yeah, I, I would have. I guess if they had done like a, a ten years on and then like Battlestar Galactica the next year. Well, I mean, technically they did Galactica nineteen eighty, but mm. that's that can be tough to remember. Or you know, Galactica seventy nine and a half too. So. That's true. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Who was um in Galactica eighty? Isn't one of the Main characters somehow I don't know. Was it was, was, it, was, it, Kent, was it Kent McCord? I'm not sure. Kent McCord, yeah, Kent McCord and a white guy. Yeah. No, I I, I don't I don't remember who it was. Another um, Galactic. But is, yes. Yes, I I feel like one of them was related to. Oh, everybody. Uh, it's one of the the Van Dyke. Uh, I believe it's uh, is it Barry Van Dyke? I believe. Barry Van Dyke. Yes, it is. Yes. 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 Ah, yes for the for the score. Yes. It's, so yes, it, all it, right. It's, it's Adam Twelve and a Van Dyke going in there. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, well, folks, when we get to Galactica eighty, um, you know, we'll we'll remember more of that, and then we'll talk about Robert Reed a lot too. In ah, yes. Um, so, uh, what else do you have on this one? This this is a tricky one because um, I don't really have much on it. Um, no, it's because it very. It's like I said. It's oh, mostly please. like the Western episode of Battlestar Galactica, but also makes one wonder. It's like if only they if they thought of Lorne Green so much on that one, if they could have just said like, "Hey, can we get a couple of other people from the Ponderosa in here?" And then yes. he might be all far away. But they say, "Oh, good, we get it." You know, it's like it's getting as much as we can great. of the Cartwrights somewhere in there. So that would have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, I and I will say that the thing the thing that that did keep me interested. In in the western part of it is is the fact that it's all nighttime. Yeah, and a nighttime duel too. It's like, a... it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's tricky because well, I, I won't ruin the final. T- I will say Apollo doesn't die, but the the final duel is sort of very much one of those. Uh, you know, um, it ain't the good, the bad, and the ugly where it goes on for about fifteen minutes and you're falling off your seat by the end of it, waiting for something to happen. But it's uh, in a good way. By the way, I'm yes. not saying that like I'm not, I'm not denigrating one of the best you know gunfights in in the history of cinema. Um, this one's much quicker, and it's, it's much more decisive, um, and 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 it's it's also exactly what you think would happen. Yeah. 
Um, the corral is not exactly okay, but it's at least pretty good. It's, so it's doing, yeah, it's doing all right. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, do you have anything else on this? I don't, no. I don't really have anything. Not more. really. It's just more like you know, it's just uh, onward and upward and back to trying to dra- travel onto Earth. But I think it's just trying to open up another possibility for maybe a future episode of oh, if we decide yes. to go in this direction, here's where we could go. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah, and I think I'll just wrap it up with it's sort of like um, uh, if you watch uh, uh, Star Trek uh, Next Generation in order and the first season and the second season have a lot of episodes that are like, oh, that was okay. But then when you get to like the sixth and the seventh, they revisit a lot of those episodes and like expand on them and you're like, oh, that was nice. And and you you what if like Battlestar Galactica had gone to season five, six, or seven, we would have had a return to this planet. Maybe Starbuck would have gone to the planet, and maybe maybe there were like, you know, uh, drawings of Apollo on the walls or yes. something like that. The day he freed them from Red Eye, you know, just something that expands the universe. Or a so wanted like, poster, oh, a wanted poster with Apollo. Oh, that would that would be something too. Yeah. If it, you know, hmm. Oh, that the, either one. Maybe we could do a time travel one. Yeah. And 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 one of the one could go to one world. One could go to the other. We belonged yeah. in that writers' room. Damn it. God, <laughs> like, uh, uh, come on, come on. All right, so I'm gonna wrap it up here because I'm gonna get a little sad thinking about the stuff we weren't able to write for Battlestar Galactica. Uh, so I'm gonna um, where, where where can we find where where can we find you online or anywhere? Okay, well you can anywhere. find you can find me uh, Facebook.com/slash Captain Bly. I've got uh, my little thing throughout the year called First View. We've had a couple of different things this year, and and who knows what other themes we may be going to. And I'm also on uh, Instagram, uh, Captain Bly76. Excellent. So this was uh, thank you again, by the way. Oh, thank you. And. And uh, I, I, here's here's an odd thing. Um, I, 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 if I just one more thing, if I may add, the way you can tell sort of that it's a westerny thing is when they go in the bar, all the guys are like either in charge or customers, and all the ladies are prostitutes. <laughs> but you couldn't mix it up with like a Cylon prostitute somewhere in there too. So would that have been delightful? Uh-huh. Like you know, like uh, almost like when Bugs Bunny would dress up like a girl, like if a Cylon <laughs> came in with a little lipstick on or something like a that. A true sh- verse. Yes. Sashayed. <laughs> like, dra- like out of RuPaul's Drag Race or something, looking really good. Um, but that that's the end of this one, folks. And I know what you're thinking. We've got lost three episodes in a row. Are we going to get lost next time? Tune in and find out. Until then, listen to this. Jack, episode 11, directed by Michael T. Caffey, written by Jimmy Sangster, December 20th, 1974. Hey, it's a Christmas episode, sort of, of, of uh, Coltrack. This one is called Horror in the Heights. Phil Silvers is in it. And this one, basically, there's a, a, a neighborhood in um, in Chicago, uh, a very Jewish neighborhood that is being um, terrorized, stalked by some sort of uh, demon uh, a Hindu demon, and we'll we'll talk about what is later. But but the thing about the demon is it can take on the form of someone 
the victim trusts or basically sort of the person the victim trusts most at that time and all kinds of crazy stuff is happening and there's I'm not going to go too much into it, but Carl begins to investigate it and find out why this demon is there and what it's up to. So let me give you a little burst of something here, and Tim S. Turner and I are on the other side. Horror in the Heights, episode 11 of Cold Shack, the Night Stalker. We are in the second half of the series, everyone. And I am here, of course, as always, with the great Tim S. Turner. Tim, how are you? Uh, well, you know, I, I was uh, I was going to respond with a really poor Phil Silver's impression, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am pleased to say that we went from what I consider the worst episode to what I consider the best episode, oh, nice. which is which is bizarre to have these two things back to back, and the level of quality is so stark. Even- yeah, yeah, you could you could if, if you do watch this one compared to the last one, and I said I liked a good two-thirds of the last one but you can really tell that it's they were out of money and they were doing the best they could and they there were some troubles but horror in the <laughs> heights they apparently they got some cash back so so let, let t- tell me uh tell me and if you want to do it in a phil silver's voice you can tell me what you think of the uh, we know you enjoy it but tell tell us uh, a little of course sir it. yes sir. <laughs> yay Thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm here for parties. Uh, well, the fact that it's written by Jimmy Sangster, who yes. wrote a lot of stuff for Hammer, um, that tells you all you need to know. It, it, and I, I really am curious how they got him yeah. for this show. Yeah, I'm because like, I, 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 he was I, not a TV guy. Yeah, I, I, I do have one TV-related thing I can say that I will say after you're done. I, oh, just, well. <laughs> said that to, I just said that to remind me because I'll forget. Oh uh, yeah, well he uh, you know he wrote a lot of great Hammer stuff and um, he brings a real cinematic mind in my opinion to this episode. We have a character that I actually looked up and it's a real thing as far as like mythology, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea that it it appears to you as the person you trust the most to lure you in is so creepy. Yeah. And I, I think it leads to one of the best scenes in the entire series. And, uh, I, I love it. Uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think it is one of the best, just the, um, the, the moments with when they see the, the person and then it, and then it just does the same thing. Every time it opens its arms real wide, you think it's going to Freddy Krueger for a second. And its arms are going to yeah. stretch out across, but it opens the arms real <laughs> wide. And then you just get the same sort of over, uh, over the shoulder shot of it when it's the monster and then back to it, smiling, walking towards them. And, and you get nice variations, um, throughout. I mean, one of the big things being, so if Carl, who, who is Carl going to see? And that, mm-hmm. that's kind of a big, big, big thing. Um, but just like the, the opening scene, like before you know what's going on and where they're in this awful warehouse with like um, uh, dumpsters full of like it's, it's almost like it's almost like they're on the Flintstones. These rib cages are so huge. They're like dinosaurs, you know, like like Wilma's made. Yeah, like, rotting meat. Rotting meat covered with rats. And when the security guard uh, steps down there and sees something moving around, and then all of a sudden it's his rabbi, and it's it's alternately extremely silly and extremely like what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Uh, you know the 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 Friday evening before the Sabbath. What on earth is my <laughs> rabbi doing 
picking around rat infested meat filled <laughs> garbage cans. And, and then when the me, you know then when the rabbi just and I love too that the rabbi, even though those guys are being naughty, the rabbi is still the person he trusts the most. Yeah. And I love the rabbi opens his arms to welcome him in, and then you see the over shoulder shot of you know, is it the Moss Monster? Is it Bigfoot? What is it? We'll find out soon. But it's just like it's it's just such a nicely nicely done scene, and it's, it's mixed in too with the um, with the. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you finish what you were saying? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I jumped. Oh in yeah, there. yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, it's it's such a it's it's so nice, and, and I mean like the scene. I love the scene with the um, with the two cops where they go in the alley, and it's like yes. oh it's oh it's Sergeant doodles or whatever his name was he you know he got hurt the other day i said wow and that's a younger cop and he's like oh that's must be like a real mentor to him and then and then you see what the other cop is seeing and just just the moment of mom and the young cop goes mom and it's it's just like you you realize that it's it's it, it it like like when the when the old couple the older couple goes in the alley and they see a, a police officer they see the same thing, but the um, the, the rakshasa there has to split the difference with the two cops in there and I love the fact that one of them sees his cop mentor and the other sees his mother. Yeah, and there's, there's something so. I mean, I guess in one way it's nice. Right before you die, you see the person you trust the most. That's kind of, <laughs> there are a lot of people you know who die. In pain and and seeing nothing, you know, seeing your ma come towards. If you like your ma, that is, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't like your ma, put, pick whoever. But you know, getting a big hug from your ma, and then all of a sudden the hug squeezes you to death, and you get eaten. But you're dead at that point. Who cares? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I you know I, I I don't know about you, but I think we've we've discussed this when we first started uh, discussing the show. I watched this whole show first run when it first aired. Oh yes, 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 yes. and the 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 point where the two cops see the rakshasa and one sees the co- uh, cop mentor and one sees their mother that freaked me out yeah because uh, you got that they have that weird music where it's like wow wow you know yes. <laughs> and it's like oh it's his oh, yeah. mom oh it's a cop and I was like what's happening <laughs> yes. yes and I loved I loved it and the best part about this is that they keep they do the smart thing they keep the monster in the dark yes and the most you really get to see is like an over the shoulder mm-hmm. thing you can see it's like some hairy thing and there's occasional like you'll see in the distance when someone's like what's that over there and you'll see like this shadow go behind yes. a box mm-hmm. or, or or something like that and to me that's that's this series when it said it's most effective yes because you know i think even then they realize okay our effects aren't the greatest mm-hmm. because the budget's so tight how are we going to work with that you know we got to yeah. keep the lighting low you know the the uh the, the shots quick mm-hmm. uh, you know and and it works it uh, it really it really does i mean every time you cut from the person with kind of not quite a smile but almost like the rakshasa doesn't know what emotion to put on its face as it's approaching the people and the arms outstretch and then it cuts to the behind the shot and you just see the hairy arms and they every time it's effective and it's, the best part is when like the first cop gets killed and then the younger cop goes there and sees his mentor like eating the, the other cop yes 
and he turns around and he's got blood coming out of his mouth. Yes. And I, again, when I was a kid, it wigged me out. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? I mean, that's that's it's 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 and and it's great too because the younger cops like, come on, I'll shoot you, I'll shoot you. And then when he starts to shoot him, of course, there's no effect and he's dead. For a split second, I thought he was going to run away, but then I thought, oh, yeah. he is a good cop. He is actually doing. He he looked he looked a little scaredy pants to me. I know I would have been. Oh yeah. Uh, um, um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I think one of the things uh, I, I, I liked about this episode when I was a kid is I, you know, I mentioned earlier Phil Silvers. I, I love Phil Silvers, and I was a big Sergeant Bilko fan. Oh, sure, of course, yeah. And he was also, you know, in a lot of Disney stuff in the seventies, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, late sixties, early seventies, and so uh, I, I saw him in a bunch of stuff at the drive-in that my mother would, you know, drive me to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so seeing him in this was great. Uh, I was kind of bummed at what happened to him, but yeah, on the that, other I hand, mean, it's, <laughs> it's 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 a surprise though. I mean, um, yeah, it's, you're surprised it's, that the big guest star of the episode gets you know bumped off about a third of the way in because that leaves Carl alone, and you think for a while he's going to have like someone like William Smith or the nurse from the last episode sort of by his side because right. they're never in danger at all. Well, the nurse might be if she's dead. We can't. We don't know. But yeah. but there there's something about it that makes it. Um, psycho like you know where if if the if the best known guest star in the movie is knocked off so quickly and just like uh, it's 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 a nice yeah, touch it's a nice this touch is such a likable guy yeah mr starman mr uh, harry starman yeah and <laughs> the thing is the way they do his death is such a great scene cuz carl's gone over the fence into the backyard or you know back alleyway of this uh indian restaurant that Harry's suspicious of because there's the guys he thinks the guy's been putting swastikas everywhere, which mm-hmm. he has. Yes. Um, and while you see Carl taking pictures, then all of a sudden they cut to Harry looking down the alley, and here comes Carl. Yeah. Towards him, and he's like, "Wait, what are you doing over here?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" You know, and he's like, you mm-hmm. see Harry looking back and forth because he hears Carl on the other side of the fence. And Carl's walking towards him, and the next thing yes. you know, you hear him screaming, and he's dead. Yeah. And so, the, I mean, I thought that was really effective. It's interesting, too, that later on, the guy who is the Rakshasa hunter who dies thinks that Carl is the Rakshasa when he's not. So right. Carl, Carl gets a lot of people to trust him. Yeah, for, which is which has got to be good because he's he's our he's our lead reporter guy. Um, um, uh, oh, 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 I was going to say about J- uh, James Sangster real quick. Around this time, maybe a year before, he wrote possibly my favorite episode of The Magician. Oh, yes. The Bill Bixby uh, show. He wrote the first regular episode um, where I think like some gangsters are trying to kill his bald friend and they kidnap his bald friend's son who's in a wheelchair i don't remember their names i'm sorry um but what, <laughs> but what i do remember is it's it's a very exciting episode it's it's actually it doesn't feature much much magic but it has at least three uh, sort of great or or pretty darn good like stunt scenes there, there's a scene in the beginning where he's racing a guy and they're, they're going across a, a bridge as it's going up <clears throat> And they're sort of running up the bridge as it's going up. So they're going from like running along, you know, level ground to slightly tilted ground to having to like climb it, climb up like they're the side of a wall. And then you get a couple great shots from under the bridge where you see them leap over the spaces in between the bridge. And then there's a there's a, a fight scene in the end 
in a um uh you know sort of like in big Las Vegas hotels where they have like the um the huge fountains like two or three story tall fountains like next to doorways and things. Mm-hmm. And, and so right at the top, there's obviously a little pool where the water pulls up and comes down. They have a fight in one of those. So it's like, as they're fighting, you can see they're like, if one of them gets pushed, they're going to drop three stories. And then my favorite stunt scene is um, where he's trying to stop his bald friend from getting taken away by the bad guys. And he leaps out of the top of an ambulance and it's just them trying to shake him off of the ambulance. So they, like, drive through, like, warehouses with, like, low-hanging lights and things to try to knock him off. And stuff keeps smashing into the top of the van to try to throw him off. And some of the shots, you can really see it is Bill Bixby on there. So it's really nicely done. Granted, none of that is magic, which is... I, for, <laughs> I forget if he wrote I forget if he wrote more for the show. But I always think, when I see his name, apart from all the other things, I always think, oh, around this time he wrote that great magician episode. And I think he wrote some other uh, TV at this time, too. He did. I think this is, uh, you know, like the beginning of him doing a lot of TV from what I can can tell. But, I mean, to give people an idea of who this guy is, Mm -hmm. he wrote The Curse of Frankenstein, Horror of Dracula, Revenge of Frankenstein, The Crawling Eye, Jack the Ripper, uh, The Mummy, Brides of Dracula, etc., etc., etc. This guy was big at Hammer. Yeah, his in the 1960s. His scripts and Terrence Fisher and Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing started sort of the modern horror of the late 50s after horror had been uh, late 50s, early 60s after sci-fi had taken over for most of the yeah. 50s. So it was like the shock theater hit TV in America in like 56, 57, and then a couple of years later these movies started coming out, which sort of revitalized in color, gorier, sexier. Your mom doesn't want you to watch them, but what's she going to do about it? <laughs> and and kind of revitalized horror, you know, and then you had people like Hershey Gordon Lewis making Blood Feast, who knows what he did to horror, but we love him anyways. So, um, so yeah, James Sangster is a, is a super important, um, a very good writer, very good writer, and a very important sort of genre name, too. And what else do you have on this one? I'm going to check my, um, my notes. Was it, well, uh, Buck Feynman, who gets, who's our first victim at the beginning during the mm-hmm. card game, um, it's played by Benny Rubin, who I, not not a lot of people know the name, but he played hundreds of parts on the Jack Benny program, both radio, <laughs> radio and TV, and uh, Abbott and Costello show, oh. stuff like that. He was kind of like a perennial bit part guy, mm-hmm. you know, he, you know, and it, lots of funny stuff that he did over the years. Um, the 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 Jewish waiter at the Indian restaurant, oh, yes. <laughs> Barry Gordon. I love Barry Gordon. Yes, yes. I, I like how he's got like this air of just resignation. He's like, enjoy, Sahib. <laughs> <laughs> he just and he's like, this is probably going to make you sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you you know what's funny is I've been listening to because I did I did I mention at the beginning of this that it's almost Christmas. Yes. African. Okay. I forget if I mentioned that now. I I. I um, uh, no, I didn't. I don't think so because I was going to ask you it since it's almost Christmas Eve what you were going to do, and I didn't ask you what you were doing for Christmas. I asked you last time what you were doing, and you said you were decorating the tree. I forgot to ask, folks. I'd edit this and put this back at the beginning, but it's Christmas time, so I'm going to ask Tim now because it is Christmas time. What What are you doing right now? We're just taking a little break. Well, you episode, know, uh, it, it's it's going to be kind of a hectic Christmas because uh, 
you know, it's like, okay, I gotta have Christmas with my mom, and sure. then, uh, Christmas. Oh no, your mom, not, not like, mom? Uh, yeah. That mom? Uh, yeah, it, it's actually gonna be my mother and not the Rakshasa. <laughs> well, um, just run around back. Just circle her a couple times. Yeah, uh, then I go to my, uh, usually go to my best friend's, uh, place for uh, for christmas uh christmas uh, day nice and uh so you know it, it's gonna be fun nice. and um uh, you know i'm looking forward to it because i'll have uh about 10 days off so <laughs> oh I, I thought you were gonna keep talking i was gonna hum deck the halls underneath it well that's awesome <laughs> i i've got um i don't quite have that many i i've, I've got it arranged where i've got a half day of work on the 23rd, which should be when you all are hearing this, um, or around the 23rd, 24th. So I got a half day the 23rd, then I've got the 24th through the 28th off, but I have to work the 29th and a half day on the 30th. But then I have the 31st, um, first and second off. So I've kind of got almost one, 10 days, almost. There Just you the, go. Two days I have to work in there, and I don't mind because I'm still working from home. So it's not like I'm going to be sober. I mean, it's, I'm sorry. It's not like I'm going to be um, uh, put out any. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we got we we're going to um, yeah we got we do our um my, I I make our cheese potato soup, which we've Ooh. done for like twenty years, which is very good. That sounds delicious. Oh, uh, it's delicious. I, I'll try. I'll, I'll see if I can get you send you the uh, the recipe, and it's um, and follow the recipe. Uh, I'll just say that because I've given the recipe to people before and they've added things and been, ooh, I didn't really like that. And I, I said, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. They oh, innovated. What was wrong with it? Well, you know, the, the, the beef didn't really work. I was like, beef, there's no beef. And, I, you know, it's <laughs> like, oh, I added the green the green peppers. were tasted weird. There's no green peppers. And what are you talking about? <laughs> um um, you know, uh, people will add weird things, but but it's <laughs> the only thing I take out of the recipe is onions because I think um, I love garlic and I don't mind garlic overpowering, but onions bother me for some reason. Mm. So, but it's a uh, we I do a big cheese potato soup. We got a nice bottle of wine. We got some bread. We'll watch The Bishop's Wife or uh, It's a Wonderful Life or uh, Silent Night Deadly Night Four Initiation. It all depends <laughs> on what we're feeling. And um, <laughs> I was that's gonna say, the, what about Tuala Good Night? That's a good that, one. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Um, usually, I do that a little earlier. I <laughs> um, uh, but uh, but yeah, and then then, then Christmas Day, we'll just uh, we're just gonna relax. I I might make baked ziti. Ooh. It's a very heavy. It's a very heavy couple of days, but this is the only time of the year we make these things. You might be getting a visitor at uh, Casa de Budnick there. <laughs> so the, the baked ziti, I make a very good baked ziti, and mm. um, and I have a very good recipe, and uh, and just relaxing all day, opening some gifts. Santa's always very good in this house. There you go. So, yeah, so so I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm uh, I'm I'm glad you and I'm sorry I didn't ask you at the beginning. I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I forgot. But yeah, um, how dare but, you? Yeah. So so everyone, um, talk to you <laughs> later. No, um, we're gonna get back to horror heights in a minute. Um, <clears throat> so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna ask you to make a point, and while you're making the point, I'm going to sing, "Hark the Herald Angels Sing" underneath it. So you start making a <laughs> start making a point. It won't be too loud. It'll just be in the distance. Uh, well, for those of you who don't know who Barry Gordon is, you may have seen him recently Are on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Angels? 
Uh, he's played a, a a rabbi several times. Uh, he he's uh what was he born 1948 and he's still going. So, um, you know it's uh it's good to see that somebody from this show is still alive. Joyful Sorry. What I discovered is that um. Uh, as I get older, I can't whisper, sing quietly anymore. I can sing like I can do like, um, Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. I can sing loud and I can sing at a regular level, but Hark the herald, I, I can't do it. My voice is sort of like becoming William Smithy, sort of, when I, um, he's Alan Smithy's brother. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's going, it's so, so when I try to sing quietly, it doesn't work. And there are certain notes I used to be able to hit when I was a kid that I can't hit anymore, and I'm not, I'm not I'm not uh, happy about that. I was never able to hit those notes even then. I I, I could I was I was pretty <laughs> good terrible. at hitting them, but now but now it's like I'll be singing the song that I used to sing, like I'll be singing more than a feeling, and you know we'll get up to the oh uh, you know hit the big notes. I used to be able to hit those, and now I'm like oh, and literally my I, literally I don't literally I don't make a sound. I hit it, my voice goes ah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing comes out. Yeah, but that was. I'm sorry. That was a. That wasn't the best. Hark the Herald Angels sing because, like I said, I can't. It would. I could have gone on the other end of the room and sang real loud. But we're winging this, folks. Who do you think we are? You know, we're just two guys talking about Kolchak. So, um, so uh, I one of the guys I like in this, although he only gets a brief scene, is um, I, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who plays the um, uh, exterminator, spraying all the stuff and eating a sandwich. Oh, uh huh, and yeah. that's just where he's um uh he's um they're talking about the uh rats and how quickly rats can eat human flesh, and as yes. they're as they're talking about them, the exterminator is spraying some bushes and eating a sandwich at the same time. There's a great moment where aren't you getting chemicals on the sandwich? He says, "Well, these things are filled with chemicals, anyways. Who cares?" And he keeps on eating. <laughs> so it's one, of the, it's one of those great, funny where like he's giving us the information we need. That it could be rats, but it's probably something else. But it's also done in a comedy sort of I, fashion. I thought that it was kind of like a, um, you know, like the equivalent exterminator equipment, uh, equipment uh, equivalent of uh, the the morgue attendant who's eating his yes, lunch exactly. while exactly. he's cutting somebody up, you know. Mm-hmm. And I love every time they do that in a horror movie. They always treat it like whatever horror movie you're watching. Whenever that, I don't know when the first time that happened was. But the first time it happened was the first time. But now, folks, if you're going to do that in your movie, it ain't the first time it, it's happened. So don't because every time that happens, you they they treat it like it's the funniest freaking thing in the world. Oh yeah, and, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's just they just like he's eating while uh, dissecting a body. Huh? Check that. I mean, out. If you could at least put a like a a spin on it or something, mm-hmm. uh, you know that would be better. There was an earlier episode of Kolchak that we did, and I'm trying to remember which yeah. one it was, oh. but it was one of the ones with Gordy the Ghoul. Yes. And he goes and <clears throat> uh, actually no, oh I'm sorry, no, this was in Night Stalker, I think the uh, the original uh, film, oh, yeah, where yeah. he's got a couple of bottles with. St- stuff that looks like embalming fluid in it or, or glasses and he dumps them out and then pours scotch in them yes Here, share it with me carl and carl's looking at it like oh god <laughs> you know and but you got to figure it's going to be okay because he's not going to risk drinking it yeah. um unless, unless it's okay so as gross as it is 
it's not if you need a shot right there. Maybe, and I forget what point in the movie that was. He probably could have used one. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what is I? I do like the the, and I, I'm going to say I I I'm, and when I say I do like, I'm going to qualify this. I do like the swastikas in mm. this because I'm a huge fan. You should see my <laughs> living room. No, um, no, I, I like it because when the when the couple when they leave the movie the fever. Yes. Um, which, which, as far as I know, isn't a real movie. White Line Fever came out around then. Um, Springsteen's song, The Fever, almost became a hit then, but he never recorded it. Um, but as far as a movie called The Fever goes, I don't know it. But there's a really nice tracking shot of the two, the couple walking down the street and talking. And, and they go into this alleyway, and you can instantly see the swastikas in it. Right, and it's it's a really like it's it's a really nice mixed in with the fact that it's it's an elderly neighborhood, it's a Jewish neighborhood that just seems uh, just signs signs of hate, and just grotesque people in the neighborhood being horrible. But then you see that some of them are reversed. Yes, and you remember that the swastika is something the Nazis appropriated and actually is is I forget it's a Hindu symbol, correct? Yes. Is mm-hmm. the, the, to yeah. ward off evil, and that's what it is. Unfortunately. It looks exactly like the Nazi symbol. So, so there's kind of it, it's an interesting juxtaposition that the like the first time you see it, you're like, "Oh, this neighborhood is nasty." And then when you kind of get a little deeper into it, you're like, and, and like when you see when when Carl goes and the guys the behind the restaurant and there are like thirty swastikas there, you're like, "Okay, this yeah. isn't this isn't the same." You don't you don't they don't do thirty of them. They have like one on a big flag. Or something. If you, if you've got them everywhere, they're they're warding something off. Mm-hmm. Something something else is happening there. So I really like I like the I like the use of that. I like the um. I, I really feel like after <clears throat> like they did maybe the first like half dozen episodes of this show, and then David Chase was like, uh, "We're gonna have to get a little more creative than this, guys. Uh, the werewolf, the vampire, the Ripper. Is that we're gonna need to pick it up." All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna need you to do a little research and find something else. And there really isn't feel even even with the, like the Macho Manito in the previous episode. There really is a feeling like in the since since um the doppelganger mm-hmm. one yeah, that they fireful. really that they really have like when they started the show they were like okay so we're gonna follow the movies you know uh, Jack the Ripper is just like the vampire or just like the guy from Night Strangler and the zombie and the da 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 and someone said "Put come on guys you're getting paid a buttload of money you can do better than this not that the opening episodes aren't fun but the show gradually sort of morphs into something that's far more interesting and I think this is one of those episodes that really shows that yeah I, I think you know like I said I looked up the Rakshasa, and it, it's a part of Hindu uh, legend, and uh, and that's why I think this episode works so well. Is yes, uh, it, you know, instead of trying to come up with your own wacky monster, you know, it, they found this flesh-eating yes uh, demon, and it's such a great idea. And I, I I loved it, and mm-hmm. um, they do that a lot, I think, in these. Uh, mid to later episodes where they yeah. start coming up with, you know, things that aren't necessarily like you were saying, vampire, werewolf, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mummy or whatever. I don't even think actually did they ever do a mummy? I don't think so. Isn't there a mummy-ish one later on? Uh, I well, say there's with kind the... of a sort yeah, of, sort of. 
not yeah we'll talk entirely, we'll talk about but... that when we get there yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a kind of as close as it gets close as it gets yeah. um but i i do think that the another great thing about this episode too uh is that it finally gives about as much of a showcase to miss emily as you're ever gonna yes, get yes yes uh you know because she's always a sweet little old lady and she usually gets like a line Mm-hmm. or something but this time she gets uh not only um uh, a very scary moment with carl at the end yeah, yeah. but she also gets a, a kind of like a, a a great dirty joke uh punchline uh at the end mm. <laughs> with the mm-hmm. but she yes, get, like yes. goes on the date with the the old guy who is writing here asking about quote-unquote yes. hormones yep <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which was which was wonderful. I, and she's got like all like oh you know. <laughs> <laughs> she she's like you learn that she's not only she doing that but she's also writing a detective novel mm-hmm. at night. So it's it's nice that they're um they're at, they're they're fleshing her out and um I don't I don't know if we want to say I, I guess we can say it's 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 Kolchak what what the um the final moment with her is uh I'll I'll say it and then no one will get mad at you. Um, and and that's just when you when you have the moment where the uh, Rakshasa hunter dies and basically kind of makes Carl the next hunter. Um, the, um, uh, the he says uh, it will come to you in the form of someone you trust. And he says I don't trust anybody, but he does. There is one person he trusts, Miss Emily, and mm-hmm. she's there. And she she walks towards him. Now the fact that she's in an alley in the middle of the night kind of gives it away. Sure. The the I I think that Rakshasa kind of in the same way that like mom, you know, it kind of yeah. gives kind of gives away that something weird's going on here. But that guy didn't know that that weird stuff was happening. But Carl did, and um, you get you get the closing sequence of Carl shooting Miss Emily in the chest with a crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and that's, uh, you know, and, and for being an episode that's kind of about um, champion the, the sort of the rights of the elderly, ending it with him shooting her in the chest. I don't know what that means, but she does become <laughs> a giant monster a moment later. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, there, there's some great, um, she's great. And, and, and Vincenzo does have the great moment where um, uh, Carl turns in the the article about the um, the gentleman who's 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 killed by his rakshasa rabbi, rabbi rakshasa, and um, <laughs> and and he says like Carl, yeah, take take you know take the bleeding heart stuff out of there. What do you mean? And it's something it's like the tragic death or something like that. Just take it out. Just say the death of this guy. We don't need the Department of Sanitation coming after us thinking yeah. we're up to something. <laughs> and Carl's like, okay. And 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 Vincenzo looks at him and says, hey. You know, it's it's something worth looking into, and if you get more proof, we'll go after him. But let's not, you know, let's not go in without proof. Yeah. And so you get these wonderful little moments, like like with Vincenzo, where he's like, he is on Carl's side, but Carl sometimes rushes into things. <clears throat> and, yeah. Uh, and uh, this episode does have a lot of rushing into things. Yeah, and and also there's also another great Tony moment when he comes to bail him out oh, at the police yeah. station, and he hears like Carl scream because he's imitating the, the, the sound yeah. that Harry made when he got killed. And he thinks that they're, you know, using the rubber hose on him. Yes. And, you know, he's like, I'm, 
disappointed in you, gentlemen. You know, and he's just like, what's your name? I'm writing these names down. You know, and <laughs> so he's like, he's there for Carl. He just doesn't want yes. to deal with Carl's, Carl's BS with monsters. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. He really is on Carl's side. Yeah, yeah. That's a... So there's some nice. It's it's one of those things where it's one of those classic things in seventies and sort of early eighties shows like this. If we had had forty, fifty, sixty, a hundred episodes of, of Night Stalker, we would know Vincenzo and Miss Emily and and all of them as as well as as well as any character that we know in like a modern day show. Right. You know, that you know, um because we get all these little bits here and there. But unfortunately in twenty episodes we don't get we get we get enough to be interesting, but not enough to sort of fully flesh it out. I guess the characters, but almost almost at times it's like oh, gosh, uh, and and oh I got I got I think I got one more two two more things one the scene with the cops just played on my TV one of the things with the Blu-ray and I don't think I noticed this on the VHS or the DVD it's raining. Mm, yeah. So, uh-huh. so when the old cop stands up, when the when the mentor cop stands up with the blood and starts walk, it's raining. I don't know if I noticed that before. Um, maybe I did. And the, yeah, the only time you really properly see the Rakshasa is when Carl goes to this like Hindu Indian expert and bothers him for about five minutes. And there's right. like a little parchment on the wall that has the image of the Rakshasa, and it's it's this gigantic hairy thing that almost looks like. Um, it, it looks less like a monster sort of standing still than almost like a, a like um, uh, an image of something running by a camera real fast, almost like a blur sort of. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a captured for a split second, or like you're on a train and you take a picture of a tree going by, and this kind of it kind of blurs by. Um, <laughs> it's kind of what it looks like, and it's 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 a. Uh, it's really a nicely done episode. Do I? I wish. I do wish every episode could have been like this, but then, then it wouldn't. We wouldn't be talking about it on here because the show would have ran for seasons, and we'd have to do our own. Actually, I, I was. I will say the one. The one thing about Kolchak is more show. More show. More so. Oh, oh. You know what I did? I was going to say more so than any other show, and it became more show. More. <laughs> More so than any other show I think we've talked about on here, uh, Kolchak is covered in podcasts. I, I think there are probably three or four podcasts that cover Kolchak. Mm. So we're we're covering normally, you know, when we're talking talking search or when I talked to Last Precinct or even Joni Loves Shachi, we were we were covering Cobra. You know, we were covering New Ground, but um, I realized that. So that's why we're so good because you're listening and you love it. And you want to hear what we have to say. Exactly. So, um, do you have anything else on this one? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, just to say this, like I said, if you, you know, you've got 20 episodes to watch. If, if you, if you only can watch a handful, make this one of them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what the, maybe, maybe the zombie from mm-hmm. the beginning. And then, I don't know. I really, I either, either, um, uh, the Tom Skerritt one, or maybe even Firefall. Mm. Yeah, those were what, both surprises for me, and I, I enjoyed yeah. them. Uh, I, I think the Spanish Moss Murders is really good. Yes, maybe, maybe do maybe show watch two monster ones like the zombie Spanish Moss Murders or this one, and then watch like the Firefall or is it the Divine Platform? Uh, the the Devil's Platform. Devil's Platform. Why did I say the Divine Platform? I don't know what I'm talking about. The Devil's Platform. It's <laughs> yeah, something like that to sort of get a variation of what you it can do, but. Um, 
yeah, those would be a those would be a good batch to watch. So um so if if you don't have anything else, Tim, um again, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Merry to Christmas you to yours. you. And uh, where can we find you online this this jolly season? Well, uh, I am the uh, co-host with uh, Kelly Hogaboom of uh, Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees. We do bee films and genre films. And I believe by the time that this comes out, we're probably going to be doing our uh, Christmas special. And I know one of them is going to be uh, Tuala Goodnight, which Yay. is – I love that movie. and it, it's, it's wonderful. It is it is great, and I think we might be doing Krampus. I, I I'm not oh. quite sure, but we're trying to keep with the the Christmas theme with everything, uh, because last year we did like Silent Deadly Night, I think one and two. So oh oh, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's us. We're on you know Facebook. Uh, we're on uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, all that great stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much, and again, um, uh, have, a, have a great holiday. Have a great new year, because I won't be talking to you again until uh, February. Woo. So uh, so here we go to 2022 very soon. But let's have Christmas first, everyone. And uh, let's go from this to this. Episode 119 is done. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back, uh, like I said, in February 2022. Here's hoping to... 2022 is worth uh, worth the time. We'll be back with more Kolchak, a lot more Battlestar Galactica, and we're nearing the end of search. So thank you everyone again for listening. I hope you have a fantastic holiday and I hope you have a good, great new year. And uh, let me just give you where we are online, eventually supertrain.blogspot.com, eventually supertrain on Facebook, at esupertrain1 on Twitter, and Danny Slacks at yahoo.com if you just want to shoot me an email. So uh, thanks you so much again, uh, everyone, for listening. And uh, it's been an interesting year. Yeah. So uh, let me play you a little bit of music. And uh, this uh, this good boy has to go to bed because Santa's on his way. Talk to you soon.